Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Get your brand on board with our podcast and a sponsorship campaign and get into the earphones of 100,000 plus highly engaged music and comedy fans within our show and across Acast's other famous podcasts. I'll even come up with a creative for you. Get in touch via producerpool.co.uk and we'll have a chat about how it works. A funny taste in music with Andrew Bird. Hello. How are you? All right. Good. 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 Nice to nice to talk to you in this uh, very much one-sided conversation. Uh, this is A Funny Taste in Music, a podcast where I talk to comedians about music. Um, yeah, well self-indulgent, but then, I mean, what, what, what is a podcast if it's not self-indulgent? It is a person talking to somebody they like about something they like and recording themselves. This is the most self-indulgent... I don't know how we're all getting away with this. Anyway, thanks for listening. Um, so, this week, Lloyd Langford. Uh, my mate, Lloyd. Now, I always, I kind of knew, like, as I say in this, he doesn't really, uh, you know, he doesn't push his music on people. He just quietly gets about his business with it. Um, I had no idea how obsessed he was. I knew he was really into the blues, because he did a show about uh, the blues, kind of. Uh, Edinburgh um so I knew he was into the blues but I had no idea how much and uh and Lloyd is one of my mates that I've known for ages in stand-up and he's one of them one of them he talks very slow and considered um but then whenever he tells a story it just unravels into madness just just like a standard story and then out of nowhere the most he's a he's a magnet for nutters basically as well um so i was looking forward to talking to lloyd he's in australia while we're recording this he moved to australia uh which i would say good call um he moved to australia and i haven't spoke to him for a while so it was bloody lovely to talk to him um so i hope you enjoy it thanks for listening and i i'm going on tour in october and november so if you've enjoyed the podcast and think he's he's uh i mean i'd like to see him do stand up this bloke you know he's drawn me in somehow uh through getting on much more famous comedians than him and getting them to retweet so he gets more listeners he's drawn me in he's drawn me in um then come come to the gig if you go www.andrewbirdcomedian.com all the dates and tickets are there. I'm not going to go through them all now when you just want to listen to a podcast. What kind of an animal would do that? Um, 
So here we go. Here's Lloyd. Uh, donate to the Patreon page, please, because I lost my livelihood for a year. Let's bear that in mind. Uh, so here we go. Lloyd Langford. A funny taste in music. The interview next. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P. How are you, Lloyd? Very good, very good. Uh, the Melbourne Comedy Festival has just finished, like a week ago. Has it? Hang on, what so, time is um, it there now? You got a gig tonight? No, I'm not working this weekend. Um, it finished like last Sunday, so I'm just I've just kind of had the week off, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I've had a year off. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't my choice. <laughs> I don't get to, I don't get to choose to have time off, Lloyd. <laughs> Mine's more the choice of a global pandemic. <laughs> yeah, I just had a week off. Why not? Wow. Well, no, I've the- been right. I've I've been writing on stuff. You know, I have I have been working every night this week, but um, I haven't I haven't done a gig for a week. I'm yeah, getting no, a bit not- rusty. I don't, I don't think we'll put out the bit where you just said, I've just had a week off. I've <laughs> a lot of English comedians that will fucking hate you for that. <laughs> yeah, I just had a week off. What's the Melbourne Festival been like? It was pretty normal. Um, first ever show, the audience were in masks, and then after that, they, they changed the law, and so they didn't have to wear masks anymore. It, if they didn't want to, and it was seventy-five capacity, seventy-five percent capacity for all the venues until probably halfway through the festival, it went up to a hundred. Who? Um, how many people were doing jokes about keeping theirs at seventy-five percent capacity tops? <laughs> no matter well, for safety I for put- the audience and lack of interest. I, I I had to put on an extra show and the venue that my extra show was in with 75% capacity was 600 seats and with 100% capacity was 900. Right. So I, I wasn't really happy that it went up to full capacity. <laughs> right. You can put sellout on the board because of the law <laughs> change. <laughs> 
Wow, that's fun. I imagine the amount of people that'll have jokes about that when Edinburgh comes back. That I was, I was social distancing for years before it, <laughs> before it was needed. Really safe already. Now, Cat is at the door, smiling with the fact he's scratching at the door. She doesn't give a shit about. You can go and sort that out if you want. About professional um, recordings. No, she should do something in this house. Now she said, "Fuck off through the door." <clears throat> um, yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, um, how 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 long have you been in Melbourne now? Uh, since February twenty twenty. What's that? Fourteen yeah, months. I remember when you were going. Yeah, because um, I did your um, Bister gig. I think Bister. Yeah, Buckingham. I think. Yeah, and then you went not long after that. I remember thinking. That that seems like a good call. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it was. It was a bloody good idea. <laughs> well done. Um, you Thank staying? You. you think you're going to stay in Australia now for the foreseeable <clears throat> future? Well, w- I'm waiting for a partnership visa with Anne, and so at the moment I can't really leave Australia um, without applying for another visa, and also. She can't come to the UK without a work visa and I can't come back into Australia because I don't have the partnership visa yet. So we're sort of, we're stuck here. I mean, at the moment, though, the only place that's just opened up with Australia is New Zealand. Um, I could get back to the UK, I think, as a British citizen, but then there's loads of Australians that are still trapped there and can't get back because there's so few flights and stuff. Um, they're out it would be risky it would be risky for me to go Adam Hills is like flying back and forth like fucking wind really? fog uh, <laughs> well, he's, but, he's got the Friday think, night project to make he's got Mark Olver's <laughs> income to think of um, I think he's got like I think he's 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 paying for like first class tickets and stuff which is the is a way of guaranteeing that you'll on the plane, I guess. How is it? Oh, dirty I think it's. Bastards. I think. I think. I think the the seats have gone up across the board in general. Because Hannah and Carl came over, and I think it was five thousand pound return. And in the day, in the morning, they were looking at the flights. It was five grand, and by the evening, it was thirteen thousand pound. And the next day, they just booked them a five, and it went up again to thirteen again. Jesus Christ! Wow, you you're going yeah. to be one in selling more than seventy five percent of your tickets <laughs> <laughs> to recoup that. What we had a sixty seater. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to cover tra- cover travel here. Bloody! Hell. <laughs> but uh, so. Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, I was chatting to Rod, and he, oh, yeah. in passing, mentioned uh, he described you as listening to some obscure blues with your massive feet. <laughs> I think that's how he described you. And I and I remember going, "Oh yeah, I forgot that. I forgot how much Lloyd was into blues." So I remember because I remember you had a you did an Edinburgh show. What was it called again? Every every day of the blues. Every, y- yeah, it was called Every Day I Have the Blues, and it was like a show where I was trying to do a sort of 
stand-up comedy version of blues music. So blues music traditionally is men complaining. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to do that in a sort of comedy format. So it was a list where it was a show full of things that upset me yeah. or annoyed me. In the blues, it's usually like, you know, <clears throat> my, um, my, my woman's, you know, left or even worse, I've come back home early and she's, you know, stopping some other guy in my bed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, you know, I've, I've, um, drank too much whiskey or, um, I haven't got any whiskey left. I think those are the four main topics of blue songs. Yeah, isn't isn't there quite a lot of uh, you know, the landowner could kill me and stuff like that, and this cotton picking yeah, there's job a lot. Of, yeah, there's a, a lot of, work. of um, there's a lot of because it kind of originated from like field haulers and chants and stuff when people are working. I say working. I guess that a lot of them were sort of in. Uh, Slavery. <laughs> I'm glad um, you went that way sing. with it. I thought you were going to go. I say working. They weren't doing a lot. <laughs> no. They were already part time. <laughs> I thought that's the way you were going to go. I say working. No, no. <laughs> Lazy bastards. Um, Cowboys. Were, a lot of them. They would sing and and um, chant and stuff to keep rhythm with the work they were doing, and then yeah. it, it kind of like developed from there. And you you took that to the middle class white Edinburgh festival. <laughs> <laughs> about about uh 90 years hence <laughs> but uh yeah i mean i wasn't i wasn't directly comparing my situation to their years <laughs> no that would have been a funny way to go uh well that's why it's quite funny the fact that you're so into blues but it's funny but then it's not really when you uh it seems obvious why aren't more people in the blues it's where it all it's where it all started isn't it most music all comes from there, most of it. But it's quite funny, uh, you know, a, a very pasty white man <laughs> from Port Albert <laughs> is so into blues music. How I can't imagine what. When did you get into it? Did you get into it from a young age as well? I can imagine you as a grumpy. Yeah, I was a fucking, I've blues. always been a fucking loser, mate. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no one's questioning that. I I got into like. Um, you know kind of classic rock kind of stuff when I was in high school so I don't know like Led Zeppelin and um, The Doors and all that kind of stuff and then you quickly realise like the Stones or whatever but like they certainly in the case of Led Zeppelin stole a lot of the blue songs yeah um, I think the Stones were better in that they credited some of the writers and they ended up getting them royalties and using them to support them on tour and stuff whereas I think Led Zeppelin just pinched a whole bunch of it kind of outright and just pretended it was traditional oh right I didn't know that they've got a very bad reputation for nicking um music off not just blues musicians off a lot of different like four keys and um lots of lots of people have gripes with Led Zeppelin you can google um like Led Zeppelin uh thievery or whatever and the, and the, you'll get numerous examples and uh, yeah royalty battles and stuff not royalty battles um what's the word uh um publishing battles and all that yeah they, suits <clears throat> and stuff yeah I think they I think they just sort of didn't 
Or they, you know, like I said, they said, oh, this is a traditional song. And then the some old fucking blues guy that wrote it, who's in Mississippi, is none the wiser now that it's like top of the charts. Yeah. And they, uh, when would that be? Led Zeppelin, when would that have been? They, they would have, uh, they didn't foresee, you know, Google and YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> and one day everyone would have access to this bloke in Mississippi. <laughs> How will anyone ever know? They must have shit themselves when there must be a lot of musicians who when Google what you can go find out anything now where anything came from. Shit, that's gonna get awkward, isn't it? There must be a they few musicians who had that from the sort of sixties and seventies who thought, no one will know, we can nick that. They they just had a long running legal battle which ended over I think the guitar riff in Stairway to Heaven sounds very similar to a song I think by a band called Spirit it's called Taurus I think I remember that it kind of sounds identical but um, I think they kind of just kind of pled ignorance despite I think sharing a bill with them (laughs) they did like a gig together and then they were like oh yeah we've just come up with Stairway to Heaven (laughs) the the guitarist from Spirit was like hang on a minute and we might might change up the support bands for the next tour (laughs) 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 it might get awkward because they're going to be on first. They're going to be on before us. There's no way you can go, you know that song you wrote, can you not do it because it's similar to the one we stole from you? That's all. I mean, I've done, we've, we've done gigs like that. Yeah, mentioning no names. With people on. Um, I'll WhatsApp you their names. Um, you know them. But, but yeah, that. but yeah, I did see that. Rolling Stones have always, they've all, they got people, they, they kind of, went to america like generally speaking and said to the uh, the white american people are you not heard of, why are you not listening to these why are you not listening yeah. to them? these are all in they're all in your country play it it's on the radio all the time and you've not know how have you not noticed don't There's like us gr- we, we nicked it from them but they, they yeah and they got loads of them on telly and stuff as well was it howling wolf i think yeah yeah there's a great book by a guy called Stanley Booth who writes like a memoir of being on the road of the Rolling Stones. I can't quite remember the name of it, but it's kind of famous. And he talks about how when they did this tour of the States, the Stones wanted like the best support acts they could get. And so they oh. got like B.B. King and they got like Ike and Tina Turner and stuff. And he was saying that they kind of regretted getting Ike and Tina Turner because they had the full Ikeettes and everything and Ike Turner's playing the guitar like a fucking madman and they yeah. found it difficult to follow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Their yeah. support act, they were like, we're championing these people who are like brilliant and then they were like, oh yeah, they are brilliant and now we've got to go on after them. <laughs> and we've paid them to make them look shitter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good on them for that though. I kind of respect yeah, them for that. it's good. Yeah, they. It's quite funny that though that uh, you know all that music was there in Mississippi and Chicago and that, and it took some blokes with weird accents from Richmond to, <laughs> to regurgitate it and go, no, yeah. Um, but yeah, they they uh, yeah they were because they people that they didn't know about them and then they were like amazing guitarists because yeah. just because it's on acoustic guitar. Sometimes you don't realise how good it is because it doesn't, yeah, and got the oomph, has it, of electric guitar. No. But then when they're on massive gigs, you'd have gone fucking <laughs> hell. 
That must be Keith Richards must have been going shit. Shit. I've got to follow that. He's the he's the bollocks. I've been trying to copy him for years. I think they went to Chicago as well. They went to Chess Records, the Stones, and they recorded some songs. There's a song they actually recorded about Chess Records. I went to Chicago once um, on a blues holiday. I was invited to go with Rod Gilbert and his now wife, but then girlfriend, Sean, and his best mate from school, a guy called Ed. And a couple of weeks before the holiday, Rod rang me up and said, I've got some bad news for you. Um, I've invited you on this holiday to Chicago, but um, now I'm no longer going. This this sounds fairly standard. <laughs> Rod so Gilbert organisation. He'd, he'd been offered a television show. It was like, I don't know, it was like Michael McIntyre's comedy roadshow Christmas special or something yeah. and he um, he took the gig so I had to go on holiday with Sean and his best mate from school who I'd never met before <laughs> <laughs> I mean you found it weird Sean must have been like what the f- I suppose Sean would have been like yep yeah, this all seems a standard holiday with Rod he's organised yeah, it, it and fun. then is it there <laughs> I think he 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 came out later. But he I think he didn't come to Chicago. He just went to. I think he met Sean in New York. I think that's kind of that's kind of a what are we doing today kind of thing in New York. Rod Beale, well, well, whatever you want to do, really. I think you could probably choose. <laughs> <laughs> I can't turn up now. I'll tell you what I really want to do today. Um, but so, oh, I like that the sound of that. Was it called that? A blues holiday, or did you call it, was, it that? No, yeah, it was. Uh, it was his idea, and he was like, "You're into blues music. We'll just go to loads of different clubs and stuff, and just see loads of live bands." And um, <laughs> we, yeah, me and Sean and Ed did that, and then because I think the holiday was only supposed to be a week or something, and I stayed longer actually on my own, and um, I went to some jazz clubs as well. It was really Jesus. cool. We were I've... staying. We we arrived in Chicago, and our hotel was right next to Buddy Guy's Blues Club, who's very famous Chicago blues guitarist. And then yeah. we went to go in there, and they wouldn't let us in because we didn't have ID. So we had to go back to the hotel and get our passports. Yeah, your baby face. <laughs> and then yeah. I went in there and went to the bar, ordered a beer and then I looked to my right and Buddy Guy was like sat at a bar. And, no um, way. Yeah, and I was, I was just fucking like, Ronald McDonald McDonald's. <laughs> I was, was like shaking. I was like shaking for excitement and he, but he because I was like chatting to the barman later on and he was like, oh sometimes you'll he'll get up and play or you know, if there'll be a band on he'll kind of join in with them and stuff. But he didn't he he didn't play that night. He he does these gigs every Christmas, I think, in Chicago that are always kind of sold out. And I think yeah. we just I know we just missed them, or they'd all I think they'd all already been sold out. We found out about them when we arrived. Ah, uh, yeah, they'll be sold out, won't they? You have to be in the know to get them, I imagine. But we had some fun. There was a, one time we went to this club, and there was a guy on who was absolutely wild, and he was called Lindsay Alexander and 
it was a really small club and he was playing his electric guitar but he had a very long lead so he would be walking through the crowd <laughs> and there was like a family in from like the midwest and they looked very kind of conservative like mum and dad and daughter who i reckon was like very late teens and maybe early 20s and he lindsay alexander was started singing this song about his um girlfriend keeping her pussy nice and clean <laughs> what it was like it was this dirty blues song and he was like wandering through the crowd and the yeah. look, like the look on this family's faces was worth that entry fee like alone it was so funny you were thinking fucking hell Lindsay read the crowd <laughs> 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 oh. <laughs> that sounds like a like a modern shitty pop song that we joke about that how bad the lyrics are but sung in an old man blues voice sounds quite you know there's look there's loads of those old blues songs that are like very Filth. filthy, uh, and yeah. And they were they, kind they, of they didn't, but they didn't sing them knowing that they sang them and make each other laugh in like a little club where they live, or just uh, like while they're working and shit. They didn't sing it knowing there'd be a room full of people with a Midwest family there, did they? To be fair, <laughs> it wasn't wrote with a commercial, you know, <laughs> evening no, entertainment were, in mind. Some of them are recorded. Um, you want to listen to um, Lucille Borgen shave them dry you can get it on YouTube it's absolute Sh- filth yeah yeah what was it it's called like, shave them yeah Lucille Borgen shave them dry yeah it's got like if you if you download it on um, iTunes it's got the little explicit warning yeah. next to it lovely <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm gonna have to get the lyrics up here now. Oh, you want to know I, what the lyrics? I, I, are? I, no, I, w- I wouldn't want to misquote um, this kind of uh, filth. And she says, "I got nipples on my titties, big as the end of my thumb. I got something between my legs, and make a dead man come. Oh, baby, won't you shave and dry? No, now draw it out. Won't you to grind me, baby? Grind me till I cry. Uh huh. So I fucked all night and all the night before, baby, and I feel just like I want to fuck some more. Oh, great God, Daddy." <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's gonna be that's gonna be an awkward car journey home for that midwest <laughs> if they were there for that um but that sounds like a miley cyrus song <laughs> i didn't realize it was such filth some of it some of it they can get away with it though can't they because the way they sing it you can ba- you can barely decipher a lot of the lyrics to be fair so they can get away with a bit of it, but not that level of filth. No, this one, no, it's pretty uh, confronting. <laughs> confronting, that is a good word for it. You know you know, if a song starts with, I've got nipples on my titties big as the end of my thumb, that it's it's only going to go downhill from there. Yeah, that's not, that's not going to end with, I will always love you, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but so where because I've I've always thought that of going to America of my first thought of going to America would not be to go I wouldn't want to go to like the standard sort of touristy New York kind of place I thought I'd want to do something like that like either Memphis or but not you know I'd want but Chicago as well um, those like Chicago and uh, and 
yeah, maybe maybe like a, a Detroit as well, proper oh, yeah. grimy. Yeah, Motown. Yeah, yeah. The, kind of grimy play, uh, uh, places with loads of music history. That's where I'd want to go on holiday if I went to America. You proper, you proper did it, a blues holiday. That's great. What else so did you good. do? Were you there? Um, we... We went to the Museum of Chicago and saw um, some dinosaur bones. Oh, you did um, some touristy stuff then. Yeah, went to the. Um, do you know um, the painting American Gothic? It's like two old farmers. One of them's holding a pitchfork. And oh yeah, yeah. It's like a guy and angry, yeah. angry guy and angry woman. I went to see that in the art gallery, and. Mm. We went to the cinema one night and watched like it was like an old Art Deco cinema and watched um, some like old cartoons or something. I think I think that was Shan's idea. We went to loads of blues clubs. Oh, um, that sounds like a cracking holiday going to a load of blues clubs. It was very. It was early January and it is bitterly, bitterly cold. Um, yeah. And I think in the in the summertime they have blues festivals and stuff, and it's a bit um, more hospitable. But because it's right on Lake Michigan, in the winter you just got like it's just freezing cold. But um, <laughs> we had like thermal. Did you did you um, when you toured with Rod? Did he buy you like a? Oh, a I big got the coat. Fir- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've still so got I, it. I, I, I wore it this coat. morning. That's my dog walking coat. <laughs> I had that big fat coat on, and um, yeah, yeah it, was, he, it, it, it was a lot of fun. He did. A, he did one of his work experiences. He did. Uh, he was in the Breckens, and they gave him a load of, uh, or he bought specifically what they told him to buy, equipment, and one of it was that coat which is you could survive in freezing temperatures overnight wearing that coat, as he said about a thousand times. And he went on and on about that coat. And then the end of the tour, he bought me, you, Rick, the driver, and Simon, yeah. his tour manager one. And I send him a photo. Every winter at some point at the start of winter, I send him a photo. <laughs> and it's referred to as the rod coat. I go, where's my rod coat? And uh, I wore it this morning on the dog walk. So that you got your money's worth out of that in the yeah, uh, that's a good court. It is a good coat, and you uh, you wore it with him while you were there freezing. You didn't dick about. You put that hard work in for a blues holiday. Yeah, you could have gone in the summer when it's a festival and easy. You're there freezing, huddled, doing that, going to art galleries. What a holiday! I mean, it was his idea to go then, and then he didn't fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was good. Um, yeah, it's a, it sounds like a, a good holiday he didn't have. No. Cracking idea. Um, so, yeah, so he knew, because he mentioned how much you were in the blues. I didn't know he was, but uh, he mentioned that. And I remember you were. <laughs> but how, like, why? So you were, you listened to, like, normal school age Led Zeppelin and all that. Doors. That's yeah. Even that's quite, not all teenagers listen to that. I listened to The Doors when I was quite young. And looking back on it now, I used to do my paper round. I was about 12, 13, <laughs> right? Six in the morning, dark and cold. Streets are deserted just with the doors on. That's fucking moody music to listen to on your own in the dark doing your paper round. But um, but so that that's quite weird for a teenager. 
that you were into that. But then, were, so when did you I, get into the blues? So I think there was there was lots of that kind of stuff and like Pink Floyd and like basically like dope smoking music like when you're a teenager and then yeah. I remember I got like a, a Captain Beefheart album um, called Safe as Milk which is this kind of weird sort of experimental you know he's got a kind of yowly voice and they, they use a theremin on it and Raikuda plays on it it's a good, great mad kind of weird album like sort of tail yeah. end of the 60s kind of psychedelia I remember I was I don't know if I was listening to it or I was like talking to someone about it and they were like oh if you like Captain Beefheart then he's basically just pretending to be Howling Wolf like you need to listen to Howling Wolf and I went to Spillers in, in Cardiff which I think is the the oldest record shop in the world. I don't know if it's. I think it's it's still running. The oldest um, record shop in the world. Apparently, I think it was. It's famous for maybe maybe it's the oldest record shop in the United Kingdom, but it's been there a real long time. It's in a different place now. It's in the arcade. There's got to be some record shops in like Jerusalem that are old. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. But it's still there. Since re- is it is it really since records it, began? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Um, oldest record shop since records <laughs> began. Is that it, an old standard joke? It, I've never heard that. No, I just improvised it and then you sort just of made bailed out of it halfway through. <laughs> I, did, I thought it was too silly. You bailed out um, of it halfway through and I trampled <laughs> over it and stole it as my own. Oh, what a, horrible, fine, mo- what a horrible moment for both of us that was. <laughs> Mine um, now. Uh, <laughs> that's a fucking brilliant joke. It's the oldest record shop. <laughs> Been there since records began. <laughs> well, hang on. You're in Melbourne. I'm yep. in Bicester. I think we can both have that joke. Yeah, yeah. Don't pretend you don't want it and you're above <laughs> you it. Could, you can have it in the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, yeah. If we're, if, we're, uh, if we're ever gigging in the same hemisphere, we'll just double check who's done what. kind of like like Led Zeppelin would have been doing (laughs) have you done this since records began joke Uh, all right right. Um, uh, I'll do stuff about Boris Johnson then you'll have nothing on that Um, yeah Uh, so uh, so that's still there in in Cardiff it's it's not in the same premises but the shop is still there it's in one of the arcades right um, near TK Maxx anyway they had <laughs> they had a, a double CD of two of Howling Wolf two of Howling Wolf's albums yeah and I bought that and then listened to that and I was like this is incredible like the um, the musicians on it are like insanely good the guitarists and the, just his voice and uh, the harmonica it's very primal kind of um, Chicago blues where I think a lot of the blues musicians moved to Chicago and then they went from playing like juke joints, which are like small bars and clubs and stuff into having to play bigger venues and then had to like amplify their instruments. Yeah. Um, And that that album's got like a really kind of nasty kind of raw sort of electric sound. It's, it's, it's kind of brutal. I mean, his voice is like an acquired taste as well. Because I, I was talking yeah. to someone who was like, I just can't get on board with it because it's so 
um, abrasive. So, yeah, and yeah, I know it's actually mean. Sam Phillips who is the guy from Sun Records. Yeah, that you know they had Elvis and um, Carl Perkins and Johnny Cash and um, Jerry Lewis and all these people. He said the Howlin' Wolf was the most talented performer he'd ever worked with. Did he? Yeah, he did. He did some early stuff at Sun. Right, I didn't know that. Jesus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It is. That's the thing with blues. It is that that sort of describes it quite well. It's like undeniably brilliant, but it's 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 an acquired taste, and you've got to be in the mood for it. You can't you can't put it on. What well, you probably do. That's 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 probably what's <laughs> different. This is what I'm get. This is what I'm guessing. Most people are like yeah, I like a bit of blues every now and again, but I get the sense you've committed. It's a lifestyle. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I committed into it so early, and now like I don't actually listen to it all that often now because I've listened to so much of it. Like at the moment, I've just started like listening to a lot of like dub reggae. <laughs> Which is uh, a similarly right. an acquired taste. <laughs> what a varied acquired palette you've got. Yeah. Whatever music you bring up, you're gonna uh, you're gonna weed out a lot of people quick. It's, well, I right, just, it's normally when I you remember, talk about music, it's, I bet it's normally a very much one to one conversation. There's, not, there's never more than six of you. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> Whatever. I, yeah. I um I did a recent interview um for Australian radio and they ask you to pick like three tracks or whatever. Oh, and I picked I picked this um track by um Lee Scratch Perry called Clint Eastwood Rides Again. Um <laughs> it's this insanely kind of like jittery kind of teetering sort of instrumental reggae track that kind of like builds and there's an organ in it and stuff and it's yeah. it's it's kind of mad he sort of starts off it's like Clint Eastwood rides again and there's like a machine gun fire and then the song starts anyway I recently doing the comedy festival I was at a bar and I was chatting to someone and she said oh I heard your interview um you know where you were recommending music and stuff and she said that reggae track you recommended she said it's absolutely terrible <laughs> i was hoping she, that was gonna go that way she was like i tried to listen to it three or four times and she's like it's just like it's unbearable but i just i was like <laughs> i was like it made me laugh because i said yeah i kind of understand like i don't i'm not I wasn't choosing stuff that I think yeah, I, I never choose stuff that I think everyone will like. You know, if you get asked yeah. to like recommend comedians or yeah. recommend stuff, and I, I think what like why you recommend you know the most obvious thing that everyone's aware of. Yeah, yeah, I love I love the fact. Did you think about that? That she said to you, I tried to listen to it about three times, even when she heard it on the radio. She went, fuck, what the f... No. <laughs> I'll give it another try, because that can't be. After the third go, she, she was like, he asked a national radio station to play that. I can imagine that being on in the next. Sweet home Alabama. <laughs> I there think was Lloyd she, Langford. Uh, he won't be back for a while. She said, uh, I, I, could, I could see that you were really passionate about it, but I just don't 
like I guess there's certain types of music that just people don't it just leaves them cold I think that's and yeah I think that's acceptable yeah yeah there's there's some stuff where you think well I could understand why people wouldn't like this so you know I won't push it on them I can see but you seem to like just that kind of thing <laughs> of, of all different sorts from reggae to blues keep it really really acquired yeah I like that but you were so what age were you when you first listened uh, to Howling Wolf uh, I reckon I was like 15 or 16 maybe alright and then so did that start quite a long obsession from then so you were listening to Everyone else at that time, you're a bit younger than me, but I imagine it still would have been Britpop and the end of Britpop and Travis and stuff like that. And you're listening to Howling I Wolf. Never, I never... I, I sort of... Very early on, I there was so much chart music that I just didn't understand or, like, get on board with. Yeah. I remember Britpop and the big deal with... Um, roll With It versus country house i think yeah. it was for the for the for the, um, radio one singles yeah yeah and then i don't know oh like oasis just i was always just like you know when they were like oh we're the best band in the world and i was just like you're not even the fucking best band from manchester like shut up <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of there was a lot of that sort of like you know machismo and like swinging dick like we're the best and I don't know. I, I sort of didn't understand or really get into like a lot of like that kind of stuff. And also, I would always you go to like HMV or you know the standard music shops, and they they always seem to have the same kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, especially if I, I was like into blues music, they'd have the same fucking BB King compilation, or they'd have, oh, yeah. and you sort of go. Oh, there's like average secondhand shops and like specialist music shops, and there's a lot more interesting stuff to discover. And like what I do now at the moment is, I regularly just go into secondhand shops and just look through the music and just pick stuff that looks interesting and just listen to because it's like a quid or something. And you go, well, if I don't like it, then I don't well, care because I'll just give it back to the shop. You say that about it being the same music in every HMV, which it is. But then I find charity shops. Let me let me go through my list. Daniel O'Donnell. Uh, there'll be a Bewitched. There'll be a lot of Cliff Richard. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of Drek and lots of yeah, like... but you will find a gem that you would never find in a HMV. Is what yeah, and you can, yeah, yeah. You, can find, you can find... And also it's like you go in the shop and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to buy because I don't know what's in here. So, yeah. I, so it's kind of, um, but you are right. There's a lot of like digging through absolute dross to yeah, find something. There's a good. lot of Tom Jones in there. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't do anything said against Tom Jones. Of course you wouldn't. No, I'm just saying. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying. God, I didn't. Just, just offended your whole race of people. Then didn't mean it like that. I mean, uh, there's uh, the same stuff. There'll be. Hang on. There'll be um, Babylon. David Gray, that'll definitely be in there. Oh, White yeah. Ladder, that'll be there. Natalie and Bruglia will be there. Um, but yeah, that is that is the thing of it. From the because I love a I love a blues documentary. I love a music documentary. Blues ones oh, yeah. are always yeah. really good because <clears throat> the thing with blues music as well is some of it sounds uh, is it like grainy? No, that's not the word. Where it sounds a bit crackly. 
and you can almost you can almost like hear the hut in Mississippi as they're playing. Do you know what I mean? You can hear this. You could kind of hear people fucking moving in the background and stuff <laughs> like that. I love that. But that's the thing about it. I think did that what you like about it as well? Because you've got to search a lot of it out. Because blues, there's they're still doing it now. They're still sort of unearthing stuff and people. There was like oh, I can't remember his name. Lomax was it? Lomax. Alan Lomax. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of went back and searched through Mississippi and stuff to find musicians. And there's still there's still a bit of that now, isn't there, with blues? Where you because look, you started at electric kind of blues, which is like before that it was all one man with an acoustic guitar, wasn't it? So yeah, yeah. I, it, I mean, the, a lot. Obviously, all the early recorded stuff. Um, I think Robert Johnson, he's playing a acoustic guitar like in a hotel room. Um, yeah. That's that's how he was, how his thirty odd records were recorded. Um, but then, yeah, I went like forwards and backwards, and like I like the old, um, <clears throat> the older stuff, the acoustic stuff as well. I think a lot of the early stuff is like it's badly recorded or the recordings have deteriorated. Yeah, it's quite so hard to listen pe- to, isn't it? People can find it harder to listen to. Yeah. Um, but no, there's stuff um, like um, Booker White or like those guys with it playing like um, resonator guitar with steel strings yeah. um, and steel guitar, you know, like um, on the front of the um, Dire Straits album. Oh, yeah, yeah. Brothers in Arms. Yeah. One of the one of those guitars, yeah, and um, they are loud. Like he's yeah. like he's really smashing the shit out of it, and you can hear it on the record just fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's clear enough. Um, but did did you sort of like more the when they because they went most blues, didn't they? Go from Mississippi to Chicago because of because of the cotton fields because of um they got tractors basically didn't they set to go to chicago for jobs they went to yeah they went migrated to the cities for like work and better or like bigger venues like you said and it was all electric do you prefer that kind of i think the chicago stuff of like the probably late 50s kind of up to like the mid 60s is like the best in in my opinion but yeah um it's sort of you know i think a lot of things in life um then white people got involved and made it worse <laughs> blues blues basically music is very a much of- a metaphor <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's basically uh, a history of civilization. White people got involved and made things worse. Um, <laughs> that sums up but blues those, those, and civilization. <laughs> the, those some of the guys like the Stones and stuff, and um, they kind of and the Beatles as well. I think they brought that kind of music um, to like a wider audience, and people. There were musicians that were like. I think a guy called Furry Lewis, who was like, he was like a street cleaner, and because he he'd recorded all these sides in like the thirties and forties, then went back to his normal job, and then was like rediscovered in the sixties because there was a kind of folk blues boom, and th- they just found him just working like cleaning streets and stuff, and then he was 
on tour again and performing <laughs> and like had like a whole kind of reinvigoration of a, a career and like there's lo- there was there's quite a few examples of that people like Alan Lomax and people like that who initially went around recording people and yeah. kind of like for historical documents you know what what do the people sound like here and not just blues music like country music and Appalachian music and all this kind of stuff because he was like an ethno musicologist like I want to basically have like a, an archive of American music and then in the 60s all these guys went out and was like oh, I wonder if I could find this old blues musician and the people was they were still about you know they were kind of largely ignored and they but then they were kind of put back into the spotlight I think Bob Dylan and people you know he was he was playing a lot of blues music and playing folk songs and stuff I think and that also helped you know um, shine the spotlight on these artists that people weren't familiar with or had forgotten about oh it's brilliant yeah it's like a it's like old old comedians suddenly getting a part in a sitcom. <laughs> it's like Cannon and Ball are back. <laughs> Bobby Ball's in uh, not going out. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that. Yeah, I saw a thing of, uh, and that keeps happening, doesn't it? They keep they uh, like in the eighties. I can't remember who it was. Someone in the eighties. I remember it was about seventy odd, and then suddenly he was he was a. Uh, suddenly massive he had number one I can't remember what song it was but yeah that, that must be amazing just be in your little town and uh, you know he, uh, he's a musician yeah he recorded a couple of songs once did he heard of any of them nah and then suddenly he's fucking he's gone on tour they come back and he's just cleaning oh, that'd be easy you, easy deal to make as well they must do you know nothing for those tours do you want to stay here and clean you, or uh <laughs> you want to get some of those nipples that you used to sing about? <laughs> Do you know um, Saul Bernstein, Steve yeah. Jameson? Yeah, you're not going to compare him to an old blues so, singer, are you? <laughs> well, I was gigging with him once in Sheffield, and he was. Uh, we were talking about music and stuff, and he was. I didn't. I didn't really know him very well, but he was. Oh telling yeah, he me was about, a musician, wasn't he? Yeah, he was very good friends with. Um, Mark Bolan. Yeah. And um, also he was saying, oh, you know, I had a song and, um, you know, I did Top of the Pops and all that. And I was like, oh, all right. And uh, <laughs> his song was, uh, the band was called Nosmo King and the Javels. And the song's called Goodbye, Nothing to Say, I think. Mm-hmm. And he's like telling me this story and it was like yeah it's this kind of like late period kind of northern soul kind of song and stuff and I was like alright and the barmaid in the pub was like oh we've got that on the jukebox and no I, way really I put, put his song on the um, jukebox and it, it was an absolute fucking banger and uh, <laughs> she was like I'm putting it on again it was so good and he was really like made up with it he was like that he was like he had like a little tear in his eye I think he was um Overwhelmed by it. I thought it was so. I thought it was so cool. And then I like the, you can see the footage on YouTube of the of the performance. I think I've seen that. I don't know who sent me that. Maybe it was on Facebook or something at some point. Yeah, it could have been. You seen you seen Steve <laughs> Jameson here? And he was pretty cool looking, wasn't he? Yeah. But he did that song. I thought I want to do an old Jewish comedian character. Now. <laughs> 
Oh, what a nice moment you saw the barmaid going. Oh, yeah, I know that song. Putting it on and yeah. then putting it on again. Yeah, it was very good. Oh, not, did he write the song or sing it? Sing it. I think he did. I think there was also a thing further down the line where someone ripped it off, and they did a version, a pretty much an identical version of it, and. Yeah, he got. He basically said, "No, I'm not not having that." And <clears throat> I think they ended up winning some kind of legal battle against the other person. Oh, really? Very Good shady on. business, isn't it? The record industry. Yeah, I mean, what what we like to do in comedy if someone steals stuff is just slag them off <laughs> constantly <laughs> until everyone knows about it. That's what we do. That's how we deal with it. There's no no legal involved. Just they will get relentlessly slagged off. <coughs> so you you bump into members of the public and they go, "Oh, you're a comedian." I tell you, I like, and they tell you, and you go, "Yeah, he's a thieving fuck." <laughs> <laughs> That's how we do it, and they look upset and then it's awkward and confused. Yeah, because uh, why you would say that and shatter their hero's <laughs> reputation, and then and then you have to talk about something else. Um, but there's no legal involved. <laughs> there is that. But uh, so when you so when you were a teenager, what were all your mates listening to? They were all into like the charts and stuff. But you were just how lot? So all through your late teens, you were into blues. Would you say? Uh, no, I mean there was like we we would go out on the weekends and go to like clubs and stuff. And you know, yeah. I, like I wasn't going to like blues clubs or jazz <laughs> clubs or anything. <laughs> Sixteen. <laughs> with Six a little smoky jazz club. <laughs> Wow. Smoking a pipe. Um, I would go out and like listen to like the you know the usual kind of music, the music that was being played in clubs and all that. But like I wasn't really, you know, it was it was always for me it was always like this is what you do, you know, because you're like you're a teenager and like you're growing up. This is the music that's in the charts or is popular or whatever, and this yeah. is the music. But. Um, yeah, I didn't really care what other people were doing. Like the first, <laughs> the first albums I bought were in Woolworths in um, yeah. Aberavon Town Centre on cassette. I bought um, "Appetite for Destruction" by Guns N' Roses, yeah, and then a nineteen fifties compilation of rock and roll songs. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and I bumped nice. into a mate from school, and he was like, "What are you buying?" And I was like showing him the cassettes, and he was like, "What the fuck is this nineteen fifties rock and roll stuff?" And I was like, "I don't know. I just I, I want to listen to it, so I bought it." Yeah, that sounds fair now. Isn't that funny when you were young? When you were young, a teenager, I remember that that the stuff that you mentioned that people took the piss out of. And uh, now it seems completely normal that I remember listening to Chuck Berry and Buddy Holly. Oh yeah, when I was a teenager, which seems completely standard now. Like if someone told you that, you wouldn't bat an eyelid now. But I remember as a teenager, everyone going, "Fucking what? What? You had my, to take that?" My <laughs> my first ever gig was Chuck Berry and um, Little Richard. Um, Your first gig in- that you went to see. Yeah, my first musical gig, I was maybe 11 or 12. My dad and my grandfather were really into rock and roll, and Chuck Berry, Little Richard, and Fats Domino were playing Birmingham NIA. 
and me, my grandfather, my dad, and my brother went to the show, and we uh, we stayed in a travel. I think we stayed in a travel lodge. I'd never been to Birmingham before, so I was just like, "What?" Like it blew my mind, like the amount of people and like the or hustle and bustle and stuff. <laughs> what a <Yeah>. night! <laughs> what a night! And, um, You've travelled from Portalbert. Yeah, up to Birmingham. And Fats Domino wasn't there because he was ill. Um, So Chuck Berry and Little Richard just did more stuff. And Little Richard came up to me in the crowd and gave me a signed photograph and um, told me to follow the path of our Lord Jesus Christ, which I I, I haven't done. (laughs) <laughs> you've sorry. defied little richard sorry little richard i haven't done that he told you directly to do that lloyd yes specifically. He did. hang on is he... this some strange dream you've had <laughs> talk me through no, this I've again still got you've the... gone to birmingham to see little richard and chuck berry and he's come up to you in a crowd fudge domino was supposed to be there and was ill and my grandfather was very annoyed and then years later Fats Domino survived Hurricane Katrina so I figure he must have been ill to miss Birmingham NIA <laughs> he must have really been out of sorts um, <laughs> Little Richard then yeah he, he gave me like a sight you know like you'd, you'd see them in comedy clubs you know almost like yeah. a little little um, pho- photograph with a name at the bottom with a little gap underneath he gave me one of those and he was like, you follow the path of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I subsequently found out that he was on tour in Australia in the f- 50s, I think it was, or early 60s. And he saw Sputnik, the, um, you know, the space satellite or whatever it yeah. was in the sky. And he thought it was a fireball that had been um, sent by God. And he stopped performing rock and roll because he was like it's a message from god that like rock and roll is sinful and bad and stuff and he kind of f- just stopped doing rock and roll music for a long time and started doing like gospel and stuff and it sort he was sort of at the height of his fame maybe it was later than 50, maybe it was early 60s he was at the height of his fame and he was like i'm renouncing all this rock and roll and then obviously i think after a after a few years doing gospel, he was like, oh, I'll get back into the rock and roll, I think. Yeah, when someone <laughs> pointed out, no, mate, that was that was Sputnik. <laughs> <laughs> was it? Oh, fuck. <laughs> I've stopped, commercially, that has really not done me any favours. <laughs> Is that really true? I've never heard that. His... I bought his this autobiography. Is, this is a typical kind of Lloyd Langford story. Whenever I talk to you, I always describe this. Whenever I describe you to people, I always say, Lloyd will tell a story about something, and it, it will say it in a very slow, considered way, and you'll think, there's not a lot in this story. It's just a normal story. And then just these nuggets of mental information appear. Like, little Richard came up to me and said... Follow the Lord Jesus Christ. That's just dropped in out of nowhere. And then he saw Sputnik, thought that was a meteorite from God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard this. But how did, how, this was a massive venue. 
when you saw them and he picked you out. Yeah. You were about, how old did you he, say, 12, 13? Yeah. I know if it's, um, I think it's a Henny Youngman joke where he says, um, my seats were so bad at the baseball that from where I was, the game was just a rumour. <laughs> we were we were like as far back as you could get and the other thing was that all these people dressed in like as like teddy boys 1950s like old people dressed like yeah. I imagine they dressed when they were kids and it was bizarre like I was 11 or 12 and I was like this is like wild and we had binoculars to watch the show it was one of those like this is how far away you are and yeah. he came into the crowd and kind of walked there was a, basically where we were sat there was like a walkway and he yeah I think it was at the end maybe it was at the end of the show he came up and gave me this um, you know signed photograph I wish I it's in, it's back in Wales uh, somewhere I don't even know where it is actually it's probably in a lot like, along with my childhood stuff otherwise I'd be able to send you a, a, a scan of it so you've got swimming certificates, scout badges, <laughs> signed photo from Little Richard. <laughs> it's probably Lord been, Jesus. it's probably signed by like you know his one of his roadies or something. You know he's probably yeah. some poor bastard backstage just like having to having yeah. to do hundreds of these photos. Did I he don't hand know you? He... Did he hand you this during a song or after the gig? No, it was. I think it was at the end of the show. I think oh, he kind okay. of. He was very. Oh. Um, like he was very effusive and grandiose, and like he uh. was, like, your people were like, were kiss, you know, kissing his hand and all that. Like he was, like, yeah, yeah. like he was, he, a, he was a, a superstar. Right, I, I, I think he saw like, like a little Welsh kid with a big face and was like, "What the fuck <laughs> are you doing here?" <laughs> I didn't want to have to say it because I've got a big face as well. <laughs> but I did, I did imagine you probably had quite a beaming smiley face as an 11 year old <laughs> amongst all these older people it's just your big beaming face <laughs> he must have picked you out from he probably saw you from the stage <laughs> i thought i thought this was like you were four rows back mid-song he's handed you a sign for i didn't realize no, he was sort no, of no. walking around couldn't find his dressing room <laughs> <laughs> just saw you in the crowd follow Funny if he said, follow Jesus Christ. And do you know where the backstage area is? <laughs> How fucking find it anywhere. That is brilliant. And um, so you still followed the blues, but just not the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, no, I never, I didn't really get me into religion that. But that is one of the, that I've heard some now. I've been asking people quite a lot what was their first gig. And there's been some good ones, and first records have been quite funny, like Ben Norris at the age of seven bought Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's been some funny first gigs ever. My first gig was slightly similar. Mine was, I was a bit older, I was with my dad as well, was Bob Dylan at Wembley. But dad and Whoa. granddad and brother, Little Richard and Chuck Berry, that's a, that's a cracking first gig. Was Chuck Berry yeah, good? Was... Yeah, they were bought. I mean, they were both they were both like into it and performing well and i think i th yeah, I mean, i've seen more or i you know later videos of chuck berry where he's just like unable to do it and it's yeah. kind of sad i went to see this is another rock and roller but i went to see jerry lee lewis once in 
what, what's the venue called in Chalk Farm? Uh, uh, the four, Kentish Town Forum. All right, yeah. And um, he had Wanda Jackson on, who was like a very famous kind of like rockabilly star, and she like couldn't remember the words to her songs and stuff, and it was pretty bad. Like I felt sorry for her, and then Jerry Lee Lewis, who's like a cantankerous cunt of the best of times yeah would be like berating his drummer like mid-song and he'd be like this guy can't keep time and was like shouting at the drummer and he did it was one of those it was one of those gigs like where i was like i want to see him live but i realize that they you know it's a bit i guess bob dylan has a similar kind of reputation like yeah. sometimes he's great and sometimes you aren't aware what songs he's singing and you've just got to kind of take a punt yeah. Um, he had so many support acts. Like, I reckon me and my mate, we arrived at Kentish Town Forum at, like, 7 o'clock. I reckon he went on about, like, 10.30, did, like, 25 minutes or half an hour and just got up and walked off the stage. Really? And all the lights... Yeah, the lights came up. And there was an like, old rock and roll guy next to me. And I said to my mate, he's... he's I reckon he'll come back on and do an encore. And this old rock and roll guy in front of me just turned around and just went, he never does encores. And that was like the, that was like the end of the show. He just, he was, he was, I mean, he's, he's mad. And I've, I've read like his, there's a, a great bi- biography of him by a guy called Nick Tosh. It's called Hellfire about how insane he is, how he like shot one of his bandmates and like, He's he also renounced rock and roll because um, he thought it was like the work of Satan. Wonder, but it's, I tell you what's quite funny: the thought of those multi-millionaire—not all of them are—but like uh, really rich rock stars that renounce rock and roll because of uh, God. Do you think they like return the house that they bought <laughs> rock and roll? <laughs> well, I better take all these cars back and. Um, I don't think the wife will be interested anymore. Uh, she's here for one thing. Uh, <laughs> it's purely gospel from here on in. I better look for a, <laughs> better look for a two-bedroom flat to rent. <laughs> I wonder how committed they are to renouncing rock and roll. Yeah, I'd, I, it's really funny from from like as stand-ups, like you know, when you do a gig and there's like ninety people and you realise that the staff are there for you you know when you see the front of house staff and you think they're, they're only here because of me <laughs> jesus but to do like a full like gig in a massive venue where there's hundreds of staff and it's you know advertised everywhere it's been on telly and then just do half an hour <laughs> yeah that'll do fuck them all <laughs> i kind of i respect the, that on level but you've got to be mad the best one I've seen is um, <clears throat> I went to see Van Morrison at the oh, Royal Albert Hall. He's mad as well, isn't he, apparently. He he does a great thing where they, he did the show. It was for, like, the London Blues Festival, and he had a couple of, like, guest musicians up and guest singers and stuff as well. And he, he did, like, a fair old show. But then at the end of the show, the band play Gloria, and he kind of sings a bit at the start and does that and then he just kind of walks off and the band is still playing Gloria you know it's I don't know how long the song is but they, they play it for like 10 minutes or something but he 
Van Morrison just walks off the stage and um, leaves the venue and <laughs> gets in his car and just drives off. So, like, the, the gig is, like, still happening. And, uh, he, yeah, he beats the traffic. <laughs> <laughs> he's ordering a starter somewhere. People are, people are still clapping while he's going, people are, should we go soup? People are, <laughs> people are still in his show when he is not. I love, I love that. I mean, I've known comedians do that, um, but not to that level. Well, I, I, when I do a gig, I, I mean, p- people have left my show while I'm still there. I'm the opposite. <laughs> I think you can mentally disassociate doing a comedy gig, but to physically disassociate is probably poor. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I've done gigs where mentally I've been at home. <laughs> I've been at home uh, banging through some chocolate biscuits while still on stage, but uh, <laughs> to, just, oh, to get to that level would be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> just walk off. Oh, they're still playing your song. They don't need me here for this. <laughs> they know it. They'll sing along. Bollocks to all of them. <laughs> they're not even looking at me anymore. But uh, when, when you when uh, this morning, well, not for you because you're in uh, you're in Australia, but when uh, you sent an email about saying about you know meeting up on zoom and you sent a photo of recent purchases of albums you've bought recently yeah. firstly yes i'm very happy to say this gets mentioned quite a lot uh that you're still buying albums yes uh, i still buy cds i still get i still buy dvds and resent the attitude i get from people who still buy dvds um still buy cds but you sh- you sent a photo and there was, uh, there was hundreds of them how many CDs have you yeah. bought recently? I I go to like secondhand shops a lot and um, just like pick up stuff really cheap. And there's lots of good record shops and stuff in Melbourne. So I well like if something like takes my fancy, I'll just I'll just buy it. Like I don't usually spend too much money. Like the um, the the secondhand shops they're like you know a quid each or something. Yeah, yeah, and uh, obviously the music shops are more expensive, but um, yeah, well, like a- anything, like I've been buying like dub reggae, lots of jazz, um, yeah. like golden era um, hip hop, um, some country stuff, just like anything. That I'm just like, ah, oh, yeah, I'll just have a crack at that, and like if it's not good, I just take it back. Really nice. Yeah, um, it's just I mean. Because I, I I find stuff that I'll be like, I would never find this in the shop. I would never try to listen to this. I think it's difficult, like, Spotify, whatever, you kind of, I don't know, I think you often just um, fall back to listening to stuff you already know. Yeah. Um, though it does have recommendations, like, if you like this kind of music, then maybe you should try that. But, um, yeah. yeah, I often I'll often look at albums and look at the musicians on them and be like, oh, I, I like this person or like this you know guy or or woman um, I'll, I'll buy this album just because one of the musicians is like, i've got other stuff that i yeah. like them on yeah i do that you're like a sort of like a a collector i am of- yeah it's it's teetering on the edge of hoarding i think no no a, yeah no record collection it's not called a record hoarding is it <laughs> it's a collection there's a reason you're allowed to do it you're going to pass that on to someone one day that is going to be like, whoa, 
There's going to be no end of shit in there that people have never yeah, heard of. Th- there's a lot of stuff. Do you get uh, Do you get annoyed? I've got a mate who goes to um, second goes to charity shops quite a lot. Rob in Ballam. He um, he gets vinyl quite a bit as well. Yeah, uh, I like it. He gets annoyed in charity shops where they're <laughs> it's like three four pound for a CD. He's like, what? Three? But it's not a fucking co- record collector <laughs> shop. This is a charity shop for a reason. It should be a pound in here. Can't be more than that. Do you get annoyed with the in, prices? I was in Sydney recently, and I'd gone to this record shop, and the guy was like oh, I've got another shop around the corner and we've got loads of stuff in there that we're still kind of sorting through. So come back like on Friday or Saturday. So I went back there and he was a bit eccentric, this guy, but I was like, I'll go back and have a look in this other shop. And his wife was in the shop and she was insane. She had like a bunch of volunteers and they were going through the records and she was like barking orders at them. Like, you need to look up the price on eBay. You need to look up the price on Discogs. You need to do this, you need to do that. And a lot of what she was saying was just mad. And I tried to buy like a John Coltrane CD. This is a jazz CD. I was like, I'll take a punt on this, but like nothing was priced. Yeah. So then she was like, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna find out how to price this now. And then like went up on Discogs and was like, all right, I'll pr- price it for the highest it's ever sold for. And I was like, well, you've got to price it for like the average price, surely. And she was like, no. And then she started looking at where it was it was being sold. In front of you? Like, it, yeah, just on a laptop, just like going through oh. all this different... Cr- then she was like, oh, right, I'm going to go... this? I, I'm going to go on eBay now and like look for it on eBay. And she was like, there's one on eBay for like... 15 quid or something and I was like yeah but it hasn't been sold like, <laughs> yeah. there's a like, lot of stuff on eBay for a lot of prices <laughs> I, I was trying to say to her you like you, you need to look at how much the the album has been sold for in the past because if just because someone is selling one on Discogs for like 100 quid yeah it doesn't mean it's worth 100 quid like and, and you need to you do all ad- this before you open the <laughs> fucking shop not with me stood here awkwardly <laughs> I had like 10 minutes of waiting for her and eventually she was just like, yeah, I'll give it to you for a five. And I was like, okay, fine. I say this about you as well, Lloyd. You're a nutter magnet. Yeah. You just attract these people. It just wasn't worth... Like, I was like, I want the CD, but I like I don't want to watch you find <laughs> the history of how often and how much it's been so far online. Like, Yeah, a long internet haggle yeah it was it was mad so i do i you do often get that in like secondhand shops or um charity shops or whatever where like there's one i went in there's a big one near me that i went into just after lockdown had um finished and two guys started like pushing each other and telling each other to fuck off because they weren't giving each other enough space at the CD section. Oh, nice. People get oh. very territorial. Like, if they get there first, yeah, they'll sort of make themselves large, you know, like yeah. in the animal kingdom to, to ward off predators um, so that someone else doesn't 
jump yeah. in there and get any of the cranberry cds before they can <laughs> yeah full, full contact sifting <laughs> full contact sifting is a funny way of describing what that is yeah, yeah i yeah. went into the shop the other day and there was a guy the thing that really annoys me is when they all the cds are like or albums are stacked properly like you can read the spines and then you get someone that just pulls them out one by one and just leaves them just yeah. in a mess yeah, yeah. and there was a guy in the shop the other day that I went into a shop to look for music and he was doing that and I I just had to leave. <laughs> <laughs> you can't engage with these people. They're animals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a barbaric arsehole. Oh, you stood there going, I really, I really want this obscure blue CD, but I can't watch what this guy's doing. I can't. Yeah, he, I couldn't get I couldn't get around him, you know. He was just like yeah. in the way, and he was just like he's just like pulling them out and then just leaving them in a mess. And um, I can it, imagine yeah. this is why John Richardson probably never goes into a record shop. <laughs> <laughs> that would break him, wouldn't it? I um, think he buys his vinyl online. Yeah, he can't deal with people or things being messed up in order <laughs> in a record shop. That oh, that would do his head. It does my head in. Um, I see the people who work there. I sometimes see them going back, and you hear them going, "Oh, fuck!" <laughs> but yeah, we spend all day just going, "Who, who does that? <coughs> who can't? Who doesn't know how an alphabet works? What the fuck is Bewitched <laughs> doing with Led Zeppelin? <laughs> <laughs> and what was the thought process that you had Bewitched and you went, "No, nah, actually, I'll go Led Zeppelin." <laughs> <laughs> well, what what was um, uh, to fi- to finish off here? What were, what was uh, the last? Sort of, because uh, I, I, you don't often talk to people now that spend that amount of time in record shops that you you do, or or just shops looking for CDs. What was the last thing you bought that was only a couple of quid, and you thought I'll just give it a go, I'll just give it a go. You weren't even that sure of it, and now you're like, how have I lived to this point in my life without this <laughs> album? Oh, that is a good question. Have you bought something um, recently? I in that pile, bought, that photo you sent me, that must there must have been 40, 30, 40 CDs in there. In that pile, there was something actually that I bought for two dollars, one pound. Um, a guy called Clifton Chenier, who is known as the King of the Zydeco, um, <laughs> which is like New Orleans kind of jazz and blues kind of mixed up together. He plays an accordion. He has a band with a guitar and drums and everything. And he sings like in French sometimes and sometimes he sings in English. And I don't have any of his music and I don't really... I have a couple of Zydeco tracks by him because he's basically the... If you're going to listen to Zydeco music, which I, I guess you probably aren't, He's the guy to he's the guy to go to. He's the fucking main man in Who's your Tim's go-to guy. Amazing. If you don't want to listen to that, that's <laughs> that's your go-to he's the, guy. He, he's the creme de la creme of Zydeco. And um, yeah. I bought it was like two bucks, and yeah. um, I put it on today, and it's fucking great. Oh, lovely! Oh, what sort a lovely of like jazzy, sort of like jazzy rock and roll, um, kind of a really up-tempo kind of New Orleans-y kind of party music. Oh, this... You struck gold there. 
This is got it was, two, it was like, all over it. It was like two bucks, and I bought. Um, <clears throat> what else did I buy in that shop? I bought a reggae dub album by a guy called Mikey Dread, which is really good. I listened to that today. Lots of like sound effects, like um, animals and stuff mooing and <laughs> dogs barking, like 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 overlapped on top of this really heavy dub reggae and him doing like little raps and like introductions and stuff i bought um old dirty bastards first album because i think i had it in london but i but i um i haven't got it here and then i the cd doesn't work in in the in my drive so but it was like five bucks where do you listen to music you're saying you're listening to all this how have where are you listening to this? I have a uh, like a I have a MacBook that still has a CD drive in it, and then I have like um, Bluetooth speakers and stuff. Oh, okay. All right. So while you're just doing stuff, I got like a CD player and all that kind of stuff. But um, that we have got less time here, uh, less space, not less in- time, less space. <laughs> yeah, they go hand in hand a lot. Um. um so yeah, we've got like a Bluetooth. I'll listen to me a lot of music in the car as well on the radio, but also CD player. I tell you what, by the sound of what you bought there, next time you do a radio interview and they ask for three songs, <laughs> you are you are good to go. I've got and, enough to really upset that woman again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's gonna track you down again. I imagine her someday on the radio going, "Oh my god, that's that Lloyd Langford on again." <laughs> What's he choosing now? Oh, no. I'm going to have to listen to this at least six times to, e- to even get anywhere near liking this. Good idea. Lloyd, you need to do your own radio show. Obscure uh, stuff yeah. people might not like. I would, lo- I would love to do that. I, I, um, I'm sure I pitched that to Radio Wheels once, and they were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... Well, Rod said that like he gets to choose a couple a week. He was choosing like a few tunes a week, a good few. But he said that it wasn't much of a struggle, but a little bit. But they are quite commercial. And, I, then, and then you pitched the idea of <laughs> some what? animal noise effect jazz cross Ac- blues. Actually, actually, one time doing his show because I always used to pick some of the music. One time. I picked um, Tom Waits' song, Bad As Me, and the yeah. producer got in touch with me and said, I cannot play this. Because <laughs> she Tom found Waits. it so... Yeah, she found it so um, weird and sort of intense. And she was like, you pick something else. <laughs> she rang you up <laughs> upset. On the, I, can't, I can't play this. This is yeah, just I'm, made I'm me... Yeah, I'm to play this. I mean, it's not even... I mean, Tom Waits is pretty... Uh, I know he can be pretty outrageous, but, like, it's pretty mainstream stuff. But Quite mainstream, But in terms of yeah. in Radio Wheels... Yeah, so you had no chance with that pitch. No chance, though. You have to go pirate, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way for you. Yeah, but, I think uh, so. It's been bloody lovely to talk to you, Lloyd. If nothing else, just to, just to be able to talk to you on the other side of the planet... It's the only Thank way you, I get Andrew. to talk to you now. Thank you very much for coming on. I really enjoyed that. And uh, and uh, I feel there is a shitload more music that you could be talking about. Yes. You, but you, you're not a music pusher, though, Lloyd. And all the time I've known you, you kind of, you're just very, uh, I, I get the feeling it's quite a solitary kind of uh, activity for you. No, the music he- you listen to is not arms <laughs> around each other, Oasis. <laughs> 
communal. No, it's pushing people away. <laughs> that is what you do. Good on you. Thanks, mate. Cheers. A podcast from producer Paul.co.uk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.